Well, I wonder how you feel about tomorrow and the week ahead. I don't mean to sort of uh, spoil this moment for you, but I'm going to. Um, and I want you just to think, what does your week look like coming up? Just scan through in your head some of the things that's happening a week ahead. I wonder how many of us have scheduled in moments of rest, rhythms of breaking and having peace, moments to reflect, moments to be with God. I think if you're anything uh, like me, we can be quite re- reactive and kind of get to the end of the day and we're like, oh my goodness, I'm absolutely shattered. And you kind of crash and you think, I must, I must take some time out. I must have a bit of just quiet, a bit of peace and so on. And we become reactive rather than being proactive. I have a, a great friend who's really good at being proactive and he actually puts in for the whole year, every month, his sort of prayer and study day or his retreat day. His wife's really grateful for it. And he's really, react, he's really proactive, sorry, rather than reacting to it. We live uh, in a, quite a fast-paced society, uh, a thing that's moving fast. Our Wi-Fi needs to be faster. Our food needs to be faster. Our conversations need to be faster. We wrap things up. We can be quite moved and quite uh, fast-moving in our world and in our time today. The BBC once did an article on the pace of modern life in the UK, and they noticed that the um, UK has a reputation of poor work-life balance, uh, and our days can be full of hurry and worry. More and more people doing mindfulness stuff, using apps such as Calm to bring calm, hopefully, Uh, people doing things like yoga, as I spoke about last week, but just trying to find things that will actually help them slow down, pause, take a moment, almost as a a sort of replenishment uh, moment in time. Well, this morning we're going to look at the beautiful thing of the Sabbath, this gift that's been given to us. God knowing who we are, how we react and how we work, knowing that we need this space, knowing that we need this time. I wonder what you think about when you think about the word Sabbath. If I say Sabbath, where does your mind go? Does it go back to the Ten Commandments, Exodus 20, where it says, remember the Lord on the Sabbath? Does your head go to, oh, yeah, yeah, Sabbath, yeah, it's a Ten Commandment, it's a rule, it's a thing that's kind of in there to say, you've, you've kind of got to do that, and it's in the Ten Commandments. Maybe you have kind of feelings growing up like I do of church of like, do you do a quiet time? How's your quiet times going? And you're like, oh my gosh, a quiet time. Yeah, yeah, I need to kind of put in a quiet time and this moment where I'm kind of forced to read the Bible and and to hear from God and so on. And these feelings of guilt kind of come in your stomach. I wonder whether our heads go to remembering the Sabbath on the Ten Commandments there. Well, I want to suggest that actually it goes beyond that, it goes before that, and not just the Ten Commandments, but actually Genesis chapter 2. So in Genesis chapter 2, we have this, uh, one of the creation narratives, we have this rhythm of God working and then resting on the seventh day. So the Ten Commandments being that thing of actually the Lord rested, we should rest. We have a day of rest, the Sabbath. But I want to suggest that it goes even further back before that, to Genesis chapter 1 in Eden, where you see humanity walking in the cool of the day with their creator. What a gorgeous, lovely, 
wonderful picture of Sabbath, of actually rest, of actually relationship, of actually communion with their creator. Humanity just walking through the cool of the day with their Lord, with their God. It's an awesome picture, and it's a picture that this text starts with. If we look at verse 1 in the text that Andy just read to us, we see that Jesus was walking through the grain fields with his disciples. Now, I bet you they weren't heading for a meeting. I bet you they weren't checking their watches if they had them saying, we're actually running late. Can you actually hurry up? I bet you they weren't talking about their schedule and the things that actually, you know, they need to get done today. I bet you they weren't in a rush. I bet you they weren't running through the cornfields thinking, ah, quick, we've got to get there. Come on, come on, come on. Can you hurry up? Peter, what are you doing? They were walking through the grain fields together. What a gorgeous picture. Humanity walking with their Lord in the cool of their day, just slowly walking with their Lord. It's an amazing picture. It reminds me of Genesis 1, right back at the beginning. You know, I think that God wants us to have that time. He knows us. He understands us. He wants us to kind of slow down with him. As many of you know, I've got four kids, and, and I find myself increasingly frustrated at the pace that they walk. I'm like, come on, guys, come on, babe, pick your scooter up, come on, I'm going to drag you, I'm just going to stand, I'm just going to pull you along, let's just go, come on, what are you doing now, what have you found? Just put that down, Get, that's dirty, Get, don't pick stuff up. But kids have this amazing ability to see what is around them. Like, they just walk slow. Like, they're like, oh, my gosh, like, what's this? And you're like, no. And like, what, have you seen that? And it's like, but there's something in that that's beautiful, isn't there? To actually say, oh, look, you know what? Let's set off five minutes sooner. Let's walk at your pace. What have you seen? Yeah, that's amazing. I love that. Yeah, that's great, isn't it? Yeah, maybe don't pick that up. But yeah, great. <laughs> hey, let's just, let's keep walking. Here. Oh, wow, what have you seen? That's wonderful, isn't it? But just spending time with their father. Just walking, not in a rush. Like just saying, yeah, yeah, I can see, I can, yeah, no, but just spending that time. I think it's an amazing picture of what God wants to do with us as we spend time resting in him. Friday night is movie night in the Sori family, and uh, the kids get to choose a movie. And we go through a whole lot of different ones, but there was this one time where they chose Robin Hood, uh, the cartoons, to Disney one. Now, this is a classic. I watched this when I was a kid. It's recently been uh, digitally remastered, so it's really nice, it's really colorful, and so on. And the boys, you know, were there, and, and Babe has kind of had a little ball of popcorn. We have our quilt and stuff out. Sometimes Katie and I, we take that time to just to catch up, to chat, to chill, to do some DIY or whatever. But sometimes we opt in and we say, oh, let's, it's a family movie, you know, let's sit down, let's watch it together. That will be nice. It was one of them ones. Uh, and I kind of sat in, and I was on the edge of the couch, and all the, the kids were kind of lined up with all their quilts and stuff. And I was like, oh, it's Robin Hood, is it? Yeah, I've seen this. I, I know this. Yeah, I watched this when I was a kid, yeah. Yeah, 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 okay, okay, well, I'll watch it, I'll watch it with you, I'm, yeah, I'm here, I'm in the room, I'm in the room, let's just put it on, put it on, yeah, press play, yeah, yeah, I might just get my phone out, so I kind of get my phone out, I position myself in a place where it looks like I'm watching the TV, but I'm wow, that's interesting, oh, wow, my gosh, oh, that is interesting, and then Reggie, my oldest, who's nine, he's like, dad, are you watching this, yeah, 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 no, I'm watching it, yeah, I know, I know, I'm, yeah, I'm good, I'm good, Scrolling again, Reggie notices again. Dad, 
Dad, are you watching this? Like, okay, well, what just happened? What happened? Um, it was, it's, yeah, uh, kind of trying to bring it back to mind what happens in the film. And Reggie's getting more and more frustrated, more and more restless. He's like, Dad, are you watching? I'm like, Reggie, I have seen this movie. I grew up watching the movie. I know it. It's Robin Hood and Little John running through the forest. Oodalali, oodalali, God, oh, what a day. Never ever thinking there was danger in the water. They were guzzling there, drinking it down. Never ever. <laughs> Ever dreaming that the sheriff and his posse were watching them and gathering around. Little John and Robin Hood running through the forest. Ooh, lally, ooh, lally. Little John and Robin Hood running through the forest. Oodalali, oodalali, golly, what a day. I know it. I have seen it. Thank you. I was like, Reggie, Reggie, I'm here. Just watch it. Just watch it. Reggie begins to get emotional and he gets teary and through the tears and he said, Daddy, I wanted to watch it with you wanted to watch it with you. Something beautiful in this moment that we spend with God, with Jesus, like he wants to do it with us. Not snacking and grabbing two minutes here, there, or whatever, and just being like, yeah, I'm not, I mean, I'm not really present, but yeah, 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 God, you're great. Actually doing life, marriage, relationships, friendships with God, being fully present with him, walking through the fields or whatever it is with God is being really kind, I think, in, in just knowing and understanding who we are, that he's given us this time. Yes, the Sabbath, but in our day to actually stop and pause and to spend time with Jesus. When I was at Bible college, um, I remember one of the lectures that they did, and it was, um, it was entitled, Jesus, the Rabbi who had a ministry of wasting time with people. Wasting time walking through fields, wasting time sitting at a well, wasting time eating in people's houses. And actually, as the lecture went on, we quickly realized, oh, actually, it, it is a ministry of wasting time, but it's not wasted time. It's never wasted time when you spend it with God, when you spend it in the presence of the Almighty. It's never wasted time. But Jesus wasn't wasting time with them. He was spending intentional time with them. Here in our text that we've just read out, Jesus was, was specifically walking through with them, being with them, spending time with, with them. And he wants to do the same with us. He wants us to carve out time to remember him. It's interesting, you know, in the Ten Commandments, when you look at the Fourth Commandment, which is remember the Lord on the Sabbath, that word remember in Hebrew is about bearing in mind or actually bringing to mind the things that you already know. So when in the Hebrew you read it, it's not just saying, oh, remember God, remember the Lord on that day. It's saying, bring to mind the things that you already know about God. So it's answered prayer. It's things that people have said to you over the past that have felt like really spot on. That was, that was prophetic. That was amazing. That was from God. That was of scripture. That was encouraging. That was life-giving. It's things like spending time with God when it was amazing. I remember that, Lord. I remember that you're good. I remember that you've got me out of this situation before and you can do it again. It's about remembering the goodness of God, bringing to mind, conjuring up all these things that we know to be true of God in moments of peace, in moments of rest. And that being the thing that fuels us, that being the thing that encourages us. 
We have to take the opportunity to rest, don't we, uh, for our sake, but also for, for people around. It, it really helps when we are at a place of peace, a place of being full and fill, filled with His Spirit. And I think, you know, we can do that in creative ways, whether it's um, listening to worship music uh, in our earphones. I remember when I lived in London, and I, I would find myself uh, moved to tears in the underground. So amongst all the busyness of people and rush hour, people going to work out, I have to turn away and just look, literally face the wall because I was literally, my heart was breaking because I'm listening to worship music and God's so impacting my heart that I'm just, I'm in floods of tears. And I'm like, I can't get on the tube just yet because everyone's going to think I'm strange because I'm crying. But I'm just connecting with God. And it's not a Sunday. It's not the Sabbath. But I've put worship music on and I've connected with my creator and I'm spending time with God. We have to be creative if we want to spend time with God and, and slow our pace down, bringing scriptures back to mind, having scriptures on our phone, having alerts or reminders and things, whatever it takes, just to be able to spend that time with God. You know, my wife Katie's fully aware when I go on a prayer and study day, even if I don't tell her, because actually I come back a better human being. <laughs> I come back uh, better to live with. I come back more patient. I come back slowing down. I come back a bit more kind, a bit more uh, understanding and so on. And having spent time with God, it just changes you. I love fires. And in our house, we've got a wood burner. And if I was to spend time in front of the fire and my clothes soak up the heat, my body absorbs the heat, if I then turn around and hug somebody, they're going to feel the heat. They're going to feel that warmth. It's the same with the presence of God. If you spend time in front of the Father, spending time with him, soaking up his presence, you take on the nature, the presence of God, and then you turn around and serve the world, people are going to know that you've been in the presence of something other, something great, something amazing, something wonderful. We take Sabbaths and we take these moments for ourselves, but not only for ourselves, for those around us. You know, the fault-finding Pharisees in this text, they're a little bit like a buzzy fly, aren't they? It's like so annoying. It's like, oh, there's this time and there's this time. And they're taking something beautiful and they're trying to nail it down and put it down and put all these laws and, and, and regulations and obligations around it and trying to actually make it into something horrific, trying to find fault in Jesus. You know, the Greek word for when they were looking or when they were watching actually uh, is connected to spying. They were spying on Jesus, watching out of the corner of their eye it connects to. And they're trying to find fault and to catch him out. But they're trying to spoil something beautiful. Let's see it as something beautiful and not something that we're obliged, that we have to do, that's kind of takes the fun of it, it takes the love out of it, it takes the beauty out of what it actually is. And when they question and, and challenge um, the disciples and how, what they're doing, Jesus doesn't talk about it. He's like, I'm not even going to mention that. I'm not going to talk about eating uh, from the fields. I'm going to refer you to Scripture. And he, he goes to the Old Testament, talks about David and what David did. But then in verse 5, Jesus comes back with this almighty hit. And he says, actually, I'm the Lord of the Sabbath. The Son of Man is the Lord of the Sabbath. So he's basically saying, Jesus is saying here, I have authority over the Sabbath. Like they're with me already. They're spending time with me. And you can come with all your questions. You can come with all your criticisms. But I'm here. 
I'm spending time with my disciples. I'm actually Lord over it. I've created the Sabbath actually for you. Comes back with an amazing response. He knows that we need space and time. He knows that we need to slow down, building time with God, to stop and smell the flowers, maybe literally, but as it were. There's this company uh, called Slow Watches that I love. And basically, the Slow Watches only has one hand on the clock face. So does Florence Cathedral, actually, uh, interestingly. But um, it takes 24 hours for that hand to get all the way around and do a full circle around. You've got kind of hours and you've got some minutes in there. But they're sort of thinking, the way that they see it is it's like, let's not be so consumed with like, what time is it? What minute is it? What second is it? Like, we've got to get there. Come on, everything's a hurry. It is now 12.45 and 16 seconds. It's like, just slow down. Just slow down. Slow your pace down. Their motto as a company is this. They say, slow is not a speed. It's a mindset that most of us have somehow lost. Let us take time to bring slow back into our lives. Be slow. I would say so that we can stop and encounter art, so that we can approach a painting and look at a painting and allow it to completely speak to us, that we can experience art and beauty, so that we can hear music and hear what is being said so so we can savor a taste and be like god that is incredible that's amazing not on the run with our food whatever but just slowing down and seeing the amazing beauty that god has has around us maybe slowing down so that we've got time to ask one more question to our work colleague and maybe a personal pastoral question that we just think i'm going to wrap this conversation up yeah i need to go i need to go but slowing down Slowing down so that we take time to like, I'm not going to run for the bus. I'm going to leave in time and I'm just going to slowly walk to the bus and spend time with God. Carving out space to actually build in a rhythm of rest and time with God. What if we factored in something like, and this is just a suggestion, but to sort of build up a resilience and stuff and, and to kind of cope with our fast pace of society at times. What if we built in something like one minute per hour to stop and have like a mini sabbatical? One minute in every hour. Now you think, wow, minute, that's, that's actually nothing. But if I was to say to you, okay, for the next 30 seconds, I want you to thank God for things for 30 seconds. And then stop. And then in the next 30 seconds, I want you to be, do nothing and maybe just listen to God, minutes actually quite long. Like, and if you're at work or whatever it is, if you were to be like, okay, did I take a minute in this hour to actually be mindful of God, aware of his presence? I honestly think it would change how some of us see and do our day. Just slowing down and having that moment. We need to be creative to be able to do it. You know, Katie and I, um, we, we've started setting an alarm it's funny, um, I said the other day, you know, I've set an alarm for like 10 years or something because the kids get up before me. But it's like, we're actually setting an early alarm to get up before the kids get up, which seems crazy when I say it now. But actually, because they get up quite a lot. But you know, it's a bit ambitious. But we set an alarm, we get up before the children, we, we avoid the squeaky floorboards, and we work our way downstairs, we sit on the sofa. And we, we say, how's your day going? Like, well, how's, well, it's just started. But how's your week looking? 
what have you got happening today? What's going on in your life? We find that we actually, we don't have these conversations. Life is so busy. But at the start of the day, it's like, what, what are you worried about? What can we pray about? And we start the day talking and praying. And I honestly think it changes how my day is. changes how I approach the day. This seated position of just spending time before God and praying. There's a, there was a Chinese pastor called Watchman Nee. He's an author as well. And he wrote this book, Sit, Walk, Stand. And he goes through the letter of Ephesians uh, that, that Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus. And he looks at the verses and he just picks out some of the positions and postures in that talk, in that letter, sorry. And he notices that in Ephesians 1, the starting position is that we're seated in the heavenlies. So he says your starting position actually as a child of God, as a person, as a human being, is that you are seated in the heavenlies. That's your first position. And in that position, you hear from God, you receive from God, you're affirmed by the Father, you're loved upon by God, you sit in the presence of God. That's your starting position. Then he goes on to the other chapters in Ephesians and he says, next, it's about walking out that love. It's about walking out that affirmation. It's about walking out that relationship that you've received from God and sitting in his presence. The next position or posture is one of walking. And then finally, I think he goes up to Ephesians 6 and he says, Ephesians 6 is about standing against the enemy. Standing against the enemy. So you've sat and heard from God, you've walked it out, and now you're able to stand firm. You can stand firm when you've sat in the presence of God, and you've walked it out, and you've walked with him in the cool of the day, but you can stand and resist the enemy. It's a great little uh, thing, little reminder. Well, the Pharisees, they're trying to spoil that. They're trying to spoil rhythm. They're trying to spoil moments that the disciples have with Jesus on the Sabbath. They're trying to change it into something not nice, something unpleasant. In verse 6, they come at him again, and they give another, uh, there's another example within the chapter. Verse 6 says, on another Sabbath, uh, they find fault uh, where he, Jesus heals on the Sabbath. Verse 6 uh, says that Jesus heals the man with a shriveled hand. And Jesus speaks back to them this time in verse 9. And he says, what's better, what's lawful to do on the Sabbath? To do good or to do evil? To save life or to destroy life? And for me, Jesus is basically saying here to them, look, he's saying to the Pharisees, on your Sabbath, it may be, it may be fine to ignore the hungry. The disciples were hungry, they ate from the grain. On your Sabbath, it might be fine to ignore the hung hungry. On your Sabbath, it may be fine. You may ignore the sick. But my kind of Sabbath is different. My Sabbath is different. For me, the whole heart of this message is about being with Jesus and bringing his rule. It's about being with Jesus and bringing his rule. That's the heart of it for me. Because there's always going to be the poor around us. There's always going to be the sick. There's always going to be the needy. And actually, we do that out of a place of fullness. If we're affirmed and encouraged, if we've spent time with God, it's not overwhelming to serve someone. It's not a place of like, oh, I, can't, I haven't got capacity to actually stop and buy or whatever, or I haven't got time to stop and, and to have that conversation. I haven't got time to stop and listen to that. But we're in a place of fullness. We're in a place of spending time with the Father. 
so that when the needy are around us, when the poor are around us, when we're um, presented with opportunities to serve, we can do it because it doesn't overwhelm us because we've spent time with the Father. We do it out of a place of fullness. You know, we are blessed to be a blessing. We are healed to heal. We are forgiven to forgive. We, restore, we are restored to restore. Jesus goes and does stuff, and often in Scripture, it's just this little tag. It's like Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, goes into the desert. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit. And it's like Jesus does these things, but he's full of the Holy Spirit. It's like he hears the Father. He receives from the Father. Before Jesus did any ministry in the Gospels, the first thing that he did was heard the words of his Father, this is my Son, who I love, and I'm well pleased. Jesus spent time with God. He heard from God, and then he did. The ministry went out. Let's do that. Let's just take that moment to be able to hear from God and respond to the world around us with a full heart, with a heart that's inspired, a heart that's encouraged, a heart that's motivated.